Yes, hello everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the None But the Brave podcast. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy Flynn McLean. Flynn, so when we last left off, you said something <laughs> might be coming, and we said if that happened, we'd pop on, and here we are. Here we are indeed. We have a new album from Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, so we're very excited, and uh, I believe you said before you were getting kind of giddy, and I think that's warranted here. Yeah, when I woke up yesterday morning, and of course it was released about 5 a.m. Pacific time, and I woke up around 6 and was like, should I play it? Should I go back to bed? And I hit play, and I certainly did not go to back to bed after that. It's, it was great to hear. I, I, you know, For me, it felt very familiar. It's like an old friend returning. And, and, and maybe sometimes when that old friend returns, you got a little awkwardness at first, but mm-hmm. then it, you immediately slide back into your relationship, and, and that's exactly what the song made me feel like. Talk about a classic E Street sound, especially an E Street modern sound, and and everything with the piano and the drums. The only thing missing really is a sax solo, but hopefully one of the other eleven songs on the album, or more than one song, will have will have a sax solo. So I think we'll have the full power of, of the E Street band. Yeah, it did seem to at points cry out for a sax solo, but I think it was understandable and clearly. Bruce's intention not to have sax on this opening track. Watching the video, it did focus a lot on the core E Street band members. Of course, Charlie is there playing organ for Danny, but he really was not a focal point. You, you saw a lot of Roy. You certainly saw a lot of Steve and Max and and the rest of those guys who've been with Bruce for so long. There certainly seems to have been a uh, kind of a Blood Brothers vibe to this. Yes. Um, I mean, you could we could definitely argue that the letter to you, the, the, the you could be the E Street band or it could it could be the fans and and in one one interpretation it's that it's the band the video certainly reflects that as you said a lot of focusing on the on the old members of the band and uh you know unfortunately Jake doesn't appear at all in the video but we, we hope the the next the next one if there is a next video he'll appear on that one yeah and what i will say is i do think it is a letter to us the fans uh, it seems to me And sometimes we talk about who is Bruce in the song. Is it a character? Is it himself? I think clearly in this one, it is Bruce singing as himself. Wouldn't you agree with that? Oh, uh, 100%. I think we talked about a year ago about how Western stars seem to be kind of a a reflective mode with Bruce coming on, coming so quickly on the heels of, of the book and then certainly Broadway. But I think this song is more personal from Bruce than than really all the songs on Western stars, because in all those, he, he was basically putting himself in the, in the place of, of characters. Whereas this one feels like this is from Bruce. This is, this is uh, from Bruce's hand. For sure. I mean, just look at the words. It sounds like he's referring to his own writer's block in the first verse. And he's trying to summon all that my heart finds true and send it in his letter. And that's really him trying to find the words to create a song to send to us, the fans. That's how I'm reading it. Okay, that's interesting. I'm not really sure I see the writer's block. I just see that the the painful or the laborious process of all the songs he's written in the past 50 years that he's uh, sweated over and bled over and, and cried over and that he needs to, and he's telling us, this is one of those times where he's not showing, but he's telling us that he put all these things in a, in a letter to you. 
you know, maybe I'm reading a little too much into it. Of course, I was there at the Netflix event when he first spoke about this project, and it just seemed he was talking to Scorsese and the struggle that he had had to come up with E Street Band material and what a relief it was that suddenly it came out of him. And I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that first verse does seem to reflect that a little to me. From what he said and and what he's and what I've read and of course what I kind of theorize myself, he seems to he writes differently for whether it's a solo project or if it's a E Street Band project. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to write something for a solo project without too much difficulty. But then to write for the band, it's it's, it's an extra. There's extra weight there. It, there's an extra extra layer of 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 emotion of and of attachment and connection, not just between him and, and the band, but between him, the band, and the audience. And I think the use of the various members and instruments that are in the band, it's a different palette for him to work with than if he's just working for music that's going to be solo. Oh, that's true. That's true. When he's when he's going for the band, there's a big emphasis on the piano and the guitars and, and a night that Max's great drum sound and, of course, Gary holding everything together from the bass. Yeah, it's a t- totally different approach. And as you started out saying, it is very much a classic E Street sounding track, although I will add to that that the opening does really echo Lucky Town to me. And then there's the little guitar riff in the opening that actually sounds also like stuff out of 92. Don't you agree? Uh, okay, I can see that. I was thinking more that the guitar sound was straight out of out of Western Stars. That's interesting because I don't think Bruce played a Telecaster at all on Western Stars. I seem to recall Aniello saying that. Well, it may not be an electric guitar per se, but I certainly hear a twangy guitar. Oh, wait, that makes sense, because I'm pretty sure he played a Gretsch on a couple of the tracks, including Tucson Train. I feel like I hear a lot of a lot of sundown in Letter to You, believe it or not. I feel I think I feel like there's quite a bit of that. Uh, the undercurrents that was in that what that were in sundown that I'm hearing again on this track. I can I, I can hear that. My reference to Lucky Town is really more specific to the album version of Letter to You. Because there is a difference, as we pointed out on Twitter, the video is four minutes, the album version is four minutes and 55 seconds, and to me it's more effective because there's a longer ramp up into his opening vocal, and that's the part to me that really sort of echoes Lucky Town. Okay, well... The first version of the song that I heard, actually, which I heard like, you know, half a dozen times in a matter of about half an hour, less than half an hour, I was watching the video on YouTube. And it wasn't until later that uh, that you pointed out to me that the the actual album version is almost a minute longer. And so when I tracked that one down, when I finally got on uh, got on iTunes later and was able to purchase a single because I don't subscribe to Apple Music, one of the few, I really enjoyed the extra minute. I think, as you said, it. It builds up better at the beginning of the song, and it just feels more more complete. Oh, yeah. And if you look at it, there's the intro is different, as I said. And then you've got the much longer outro, which I think works much better on the album version. And then our buddy Joe Lewin also pointed out on the uh, music break in the middle, there's also a little bit of difference, a few seconds. Okay. Well, it all adds a lot. And I certainly, I mean, I will, I will not be watching the YouTube video very much going forward and sticking to the, the full iTunes 
iTunes version that I that I purchased. Very curious that they did that because normally shortened versions were for radio play. I don't know what's being given to radio, and I don't expect that he's going to get much radio play <laughs> even with new material. Uh, I'm not sure why they didn't just put the whole track in the video because I do think the whole track is stronger, and it's and I like both versions, but the the longer one is better. When there's an extended studio track from Bruce, I'm, I'm all I'm all for that. <laughs> but but it is surprising that they wouldn't have shown another minute of video. Um, it would have been. I mean, we would have loved to have seen, you know, sixty or fifty-five more seconds of, of Bruce and the gang in the, in the studio and Bruce's home. I guess the barn studio, and you know, I'd love seeing that stuff. Oh, I totally agree. I can't get enough of seeing Bruce's home studio. It's so fascinating getting inside and getting that sort of insight into what's going on. And just looking at the rest of the album, because they have released a track listing, of course, one very interesting fact is that there are three songs that date back to the early 70s that have been re-recorded and are here. Now, Backstreets, and we should give Chris and Eric and John a pop here because they did a great job. If anyone hasn't seen it, go, on to, go to Backstreets.com and read the history of those three songs. And it, what do you make of that? You know, I really don't know. I mean, we, we could take it back to our other favorite subject and say that, in the process of making or working on tracks too, he said, oh, well, these songs here, they could work in a different arrangement, a different modern arrangement. And, you know, maybe that was the case, or maybe it was just that, you know, I actually have no idea because Song for Orphans and If I and if I Was the Priest, I mean, they have such a distinct 72 sound. Yeah, seventy-two that's phrasing, so curious. And, and lyrically, they're... I mean, they're all about 72, and I just don't know. How does that work into, two, into 2020 or 2019 when it was recorded? It's That's going to be a big question. Obviously, we're going to go through the album in great detail after it comes out, and we shouldn't probably speculate based on the song titles, but I'll do so anyway. I mean, the album opens <laughs> with a song, One Minute You're Here, and ends with I'll See You in My Dreams, which I think just on the, the face of it, those titles continue the sort of themes we discussed in Western Stars, and think about where Western Stars ended in that parking lot at the, at the Moonlight Motel. That very well may, may be the case, that this is an extension of the Western Stars story or stories. And I always thought that Working on a Dream was going to be Bruce's mortality album, but I guess I'll, I was off by a, you know over a decade. So, And I suspect when we hear it, the fact that he chose these three songs to re-record here, I'm going to guess they fit in. This is not High Hopes, where it's a hodgepodge. I bet this is going to be a tight narrative. Yes, I bet you're, you are 100% correct. And I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing Janie Needs a Shooter. I think the oh. versions the versions we've heard of that have been a little bit more rocking, a little bit more of a, a rocking Bruce and more modern Bruce than certainly the other two. And, you know, the, the, we have been crying out for a, a, a version of that in perfect quality. And I'm, I guess we're getting it. It's just that we're not getting the 77 version. But I'll take if it's no version or 2019, I'm taking 2019 every every time. You know how excited I was when you told me that that was going to be on the record. That's always been one of my favorites. It's really an intense song, and 
It's going to be really interesting to hear what it sounds like, as you just said, uh, E Street Band circa 2019. So we're going to cover, of course, the album extensively, as I just said, when it comes out. We expect there's going to be another song or two prior to the release of the record that'll be out, just like they did with Western Stars. We're going to be back on September 23rd with the first episode of our second season. And we think we've got a real treat coming up. The other night, Flynn and I were lucky to speak to Joe Grishecki. We spoke to him for a while, and we got really good stuff, and it was a lot of fun for us. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was great talking to him. Uh, we talked to him about the 40th anniversary release of Have a Good Time, But Get Out Alive. Uh, 2020 marks the 25th anniversary of American Babylon. His 20-year his involvement with the Light of Day organization and the Light of Day shows as well as uh, talking to him about working with uh, that Springsteen guy. Yeah, we did talk about that. And one of the shows we talked about was the legendary Mars show, which I was lucky enough to be at. And really? You, you've never mentioned it, Hal. No, that's true. I was there. <laughs> and it was, it was great to talk to Joe about it. And he did have some fun things to say about playing the E Street Band songs that night and then also Dion showing up. And here's a little preview. He wasn't playing with the E Street Band at the time, you know, so he was between engagements, as they say. So uh, somehow persuaded him to come down and play play a bunch of his songs instead of, you know, just a, the normal bar gigs that you know, guys our age do, you know, that the, the uh, go, go back to the tried and true songs that, you know, the vocabulary that, that, that we all had. So it was it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun playing those songs and uh you know, to this to this day, we've you know we've been able to uh, you know when we do play with Bruce, play a bunch of his songs. So it's it's, it's always a lot of fun. I, I know a lot of E Street songs, so it's always they're always great to play. Late in that show, you mentioned Dion. I was when I I couldn't believe that Dion was on stage with you and with Bruce, and everyone was there, and he was doing the Wanderer. It was it was really amazing. Yeah, what a what a thrill that was, huh? Uh, I mean, as a musician to be on stage with Dion and he's doing the wanderer. Yeah. That's gotta be, that's gotta be right up there with your experiences. Yes, it is. It's one of my top. And then Bruce is over there. Look, he's trying to play that classic saxophone solo on guitar. You know, because so much of Clarence's stuff came from all those, you know, instantly recognizable saxophone solos from that era. You know, when, when Clarence would play a sax solo, you could sing it. And, you know, the same with The Wanderer. And that was Joe Grishecki talking about uh, that legendary night at Mars in 1994, playing with Bruce, playing with Dion, and playing some of the classic East Street stuff. So great to hear him talk about that. Yes, it was. Everyone's going to get to hear the entire interview, which we're excited about, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. That's going to be on September 23rd when we come back with our second season. And when Bruce turned 71 years old. <laughs> oh, man, it's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, but damn, he looks good. <laughs> I wish I could look good, look that good at 50. So <laughs> I'm, not quite, I'm not even at 50 yet. <laughs> well, all right. Well, well, there's still time to work on that then. Uh, yes, I just can't. I just can't run right now, but we'll get to that. We'll solve that problem later. All right. Well, so if there's any trainers out there who want to uh, work with <laughs> Flynn, be sure to give us a shout out on Twitter. Yes, and I otherwise, <laughs> we're going to wrap this up. And uh, as we said, we'll be back September 23rd. We hope you'll join us. Yes. Yeah, so for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McClain saying thanks for listening and 
We'll see you again in two weeks, and we'll see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.